Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the... Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Melissa Kruger about joy. We dove right in and talked a million miles a minute about Bible study, hardship, and most of all, the joy that we have in Jesus. Listen to what she said. The object of our joy is the substance of our happiness. You know, we we like to rejoice in all these things. And we can go to God and say, thank you for my family. Thank you the fact that we have a meal to eat tonight. Thank you that we have a house. But He is the ultimate substance of our joy. And so the more we focus on Him, I think the more we will be joyful. Melissa is definitely a kindred heart, y'all. She serves as a women's ministry coordinator at Uptown Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's also an author, wife to Mike, the president of Reformed Theological Seminary, and they have three children. Her newest book, In All Things, is a study on joy that actually releases tomorrow, June 5th, 2018, which just so happens to also be the one-year anniversary of the Journey Women podcast. Y'all, I have no words to express my genuine surprise that I've actually made it this far. It's literally only by God's grace. Thank you guys so much for journeying alongside me for the past year. It has truly been a joy. All right, on to my conversation with Melissa Kruger on the topic of joy. I'm so excited about your new study called In All Things, a nine-week devotional study on unshakable joy. 
And I'm most excited about it because I feel like now this is just for me looking at it. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it is really kind of an encapsulated version of inductive where somebody who may not have ever had that (laughs) practice, um, which I have a lot of listeners. I am literally obsessed with the inductive Bible method, which is this basic, you know, method of walking through observation, interpretation and application. But it can be really intimidating for somebody who's never like practiced that on their own. And your book is excellent because you ask a lot of really intentional questions, which is another huge passion of mine. And I think that's like an amazing practice when you're coming to the text, just asking questions, asking questions and looking for the answers. And then you have all this wonderful space in your book for people to really do their own work, which is unique, I think, in a Bible study that you purchase at a store. So thanks for writing this. I'm excited to look into it. Yeah, it's the way I learned to do inductive was through Kay Arthur. She had the series called a Lord series, which was different than her precept series. They were like lore. They were more, they seemed topical, but she actually, they were inductive studies. She got you in the back door. Yeah. And they were, I did them all through high school and, and the beginning of college. And it was, I needed her voice to help me learn yes. like, like, the writing part because some people feel totally intimidated by the Bible. Yeah, and so absolutely. that's kind of trying to recreate was what is someone who is really intimidated? Yeah, they see too few words and they're like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they need a story. They need something to draw them in. Whereas, you know, women who are already sold out to this method don't. I mean, they can just do it, you know. But it does, it takes a lot of practice. And and yes. I think at the beginning, especially, it, you know, handholding is essential. It's kind of like discipleship. <laughs> yes. And so where else are you going to learn? Like I also learned from Kay Arthur and one of my mentors here, she was a precept uh, Bible study teacher and she was on episode four of the podcast and we talked about Bible study and she kind of helped flesh that out even more with looking for keywords and, you know, inquiring the text and things like that. But if I wouldn't had her hold my hand doing it, I don't think I would have developed like the art of intentional question asking when I'm coming to the Bible, like I did, like I did by God's grace. And I just think that's what you're doing here, which is really wonderful because not everybody has access to an Amy Ward in their life. Exactly. That's exact. Yeah. And that's how I was in high school. I didn't have access to it. I had grown up in the Methodist background and I just fell in love with the word and somehow found, I don't know how, I think I just went to the Christian bookstore and that's where I found them. So I just picked them up and was like, this looks good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really that desire of wanting to do what was done for me, you know? And yeah. And so it's really sweet to see getting to do that. Like it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to get to do. So I'm, I'm truly thankful. Having two little babies right now, like the inductive Bible study method is something that I've practiced for the last decade. But there are seasons where having somebody kind of come back and hold your hand, like I'm going to do this study because when you're exhausted, it's helpful to have somebody else like kind of prompting your brain in a certain direction when you're, it's just like that mommy brain fog. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I still do it. You know, actually I'm using Kathleen, Kathleen Nielsen's study right now on Proverbs Oh, nice! because I'm not, you know, when I'm in the writing or teaching mode, I'm in it. Yes. You know, day to day, I just need to be in the word. And Absolutely. Truthfully, I still like the handhold that. I mean, you know, it's going to be richer because you've studied longer. Yeah. It helps me say, okay, this is the chunk I need for today. Yes. When you just go to the text, it's like, well, should I read the whole thing? Should I? 
Oh, yeah. sometimes it can be really overwhelming. In fact, you mentioned that, and I am currently reading through the Bible chronologically. This is another passion of mine yeah. is every year I try to make yeah. a practice of reading through the Bible and I'm in Proverbs and I thought to myself, this is horrible. This is just rebuke me right here, Melissa, because I, this is horrible. I'm like, oh no, I got to read Proverbs this morning because I'm just uh-huh. now getting to the part where Solomon, you know, is <laughs> like, ask the Lord yeah. for wisdom. And so then I jump over to read the wisdom that he's gotten in the book of Proverbs. And now I'm like, this book is so confusing to me sometimes. So maybe I'll have to pick up that study by Kathleen Nelson. It's actually great. She It's the one she doesn't go straight through. She puts it in categories. So like okay. this week I'm on work. So the sluggard huh. versus the hard Cool. And it's been helpful because she she's a big inductive person, but she's like Proverbs isn't really written in the same way. Yes, because it's the wisdom literature. Wisdom lit gets me, man. And that's probably why Kay Arthur, I just listened to a podcast with her on uh, Help Me Teach the Bible with Nancy Guthrie. And she said she didn't have any wisdom lit books written on inductive fascinating to me. I was really intrigued by that very same thing. I wondered why. She didn't do it. I love that podcast. She was yeah, so good. I know. It's my personal favorite podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. I know. When she said, like, disappointment is an opportunity for God's appointment, I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Tweet that. That, <laughs> that was in, I remember reading As Silver Refined. It may be my, it had just come out, like, maybe my freshman year of college. Wow. And that. I, there is a whole poem in the book about that. It's called Disappointment, His Appointment. Change one word and you'll see um, the meaning of his purposes for me. Or something like there's wow. a, She has a whole poem in that book. And I, like, what other book can I remember? 20? I can't remember the books I loved, loved last week. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. That makes my heart quicken. Because one of the most popular podcasts that we've had on this whole entire show is called What to Do with Unmet Expectations. Because so many of us have, like, we all face disappointment. So I just, I love that. I thought that is so applicable. But the other thing that we all face is just the desire to really rejoice in the Lord always. And that's why I wanted to bring you on because you have exhaustively studied this topic in writing your book and all <laughs> things. And I would just love to chat about joy with you, Melissa, because it's something that I so desire. And yet so many times during my day, I do not feel joy filled, if you know what I mean. Do you face that too? Absolutely. My first book was on envy, but it was finding in a covet's world. Um, So it was contentment. So this one's on joy. And I think he said, well, she needs these lessons more than anyone else. So I'll have her write on these concepts. As I was thinking and preparing for our conversation today, it just kind of gave me this check. Like, am I experiencing joy in my life? Like, where am I? How am I seeing myself respond to different circumstances like throughout my day? And I'm just asking this question, like, what is joy and what does it mean to be joy filled? So could you help us answer that? Absolutely. If you look at Webster's, like if we just yeah. took Webster's definition, it's going to say, you know, a feeling of pleasure or satisfaction or happiness. Hmm. So I would call that worldly joy. Yes. Um, that's, that's how we would describe it. But when I talk about Christian joy, um, I have a slightly different definition. And so what I like to say, it's a spirit filled assurance of God's grace and goodness um, that produces a feeling of pleasure, satisfaction, or delight. So what's different about that is what is the cause of the joy. Um, and I think it's really important as believers for us to have that 
understanding of what is the root, what is the substance of our joy when we're talking about joy in the Christian life. So the first thing is it's spirit filled. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, pay, yeah, so on. Yeah. But joy is one of those fruits. So it's a spirit filled assurance and then it's rooted in God's goodness and grace. So really what I mean by that is Christian joy is rooted in our salvation. The mm-hmm. fact that God from eternity past, has decided to be good to us, Mm. Um, seek us with his goodness, and always pursue us with his goodness. And even the difficult things that are happening in our day must be for good. So it's that assurance of that. It's not always seeing it. So, you know, I have a good friend right now whose two-year-old son was diagnosed with leukemia. Wow. And, you know, it's just traumatic. I mean, going through... Every step of it, it's been traumatic to watch my dear friend go through it. But she's had to be in these hospital rooms seeing really difficult things done Mm. to her child to Mm. heal him. But I can't see the goodness, but I can see the word tells me that God will work all this for good. You know, and so I, it is the assurance of what we cannot see that can produce the feeling of joy. So it is a, you know, it is a real feeling. It's, it's something yes. we feel. It's a buoyancy of spirit mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. But it's what we rooted in. Absolutely. You know, whereas I think earthly joy is like, you know, I'm having pizza for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. could be a lot of earthly joy. You know? you know, I think I see my three-year-old experience earthly joy all the time. Like yesterday, we were on the road home from the zoo in Nashville, didn't really have anything to eat. And she said, you know, I'm hungry, mama. And I said, well, how about we stop and get a corn dog at Sonic? And she freaked the heck out in the back seat. She's like, yes! <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> earthly and I joy. Think that's valid. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just saying... This is earthly joy, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, good grief. I'm really happy about a milkshake you know, or whatever. Yeah. And yes. I don't, I, yeah, never would want to downplay it. It's just more putting it in its place of totally. that's temporal. It's not going to last. The milkshake's going to be gone. And then I'm yes. going to think, now I need to go run for a week to, you know, take the milkshake off. Um, <laughs> there's gonna be, it's Womp. never going to really, yeah, yeah, stay <laughs> the whole the whole time. You know, at the end of every show, we ask the question, what are your three simple joys? And it's so interesting to hear how people answer that because some people do answer kind of in an earthly joy type of way. Like, I mean, if I was going to answer that, I might say coffee blended with coconut uh, oil and a little bit of collagen. <laughs> but other people will in- uh, answer it in a more like rooted way, like you're talking about just a, a joy filled way that like, you know, only comes from salvation and from God's grace to us as the church. Like they'll say things like God's word or the local church. So anyways, I'm, I'm excited. Little teaser, because we're going to get to hear from you what your simple joys are and see how you define Good. that at the end of the show. But, you know, you're talking about your friend who has this little person who's been diagnosed with leukemia. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in the midst of it, to fill in the story, she has a four-year-old daughter. Wow. And she, when she found out she was pregnant with twins, she was two weeks away from delivering twins when she found out her two-year-old had oh, leukemia. So word. she's now, we're now that was four. in December. Yeah. So she's a mama four. So she gave birth wow. to the twins while her son was in the hospital having treatments. And so now she's in at St. Jude's. Wow. Um, they just did the bone marrow transplant. Yeah. So she's having these, her, her mom has moved to take care. I mean, you have twin babies. That's, yeah, that's hard that enough. In and of itself. <laughs> 
Yes. It has just been overwhelming. I sat around the table with my own Bible study here, and we were talking about this concept of being a life giver. And it's really kind of derived from our friend Karen Hodge's book, Life Taker to Life Giver. And we talked about who is it in your life that's a life giver? And I imagine like all of us would think a life giver is someone who's experiencing joy. And what was interesting about that conversation, Melissa, is that every single person that was mentioned by all the women sitting at the table is somebody that they saw walk through extreme hardship and suffering and they watched them walk joyfully in spite of their circumstances. So I'd like to talk about that with you. What might you see or experience when you are interacting with a joy-filled person, even if they're going through really difficult circumstances? I think you're exactly right in what you were just saying. I think um, when people are suffering tremendously and you see joy in them, you know, it's what we believe about their joy. We know it's not coming from their circumstances. Yes. And so we say, it has to be from some other source. Because <laughs> yeah. when we think somebody's life, well, their life looks great. How could they not be joyful? Yeah. Um, and actually, I heard a podcast with Johnny Erickson Tata. She was talking about this. She had a, as a new devotional out. I can't remember what it's called, but she talked about, it might be called Spectacle of Glories. Okay. She talked about when Moses saw the burning bush and it was being burned up, but it wasn't consumed. It mm. made him turn and look at it, mm. and it caught his eye, mm. and it was a spectacle of glory. And she said, when people walk through tremendous suffering, yeah. and you see the fruit of love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and suffering, you, know, you see this fruit coming from them that their circumstances cannot be producing, and they are not consumed by the fire they're going through. It mm. makes you turn and look. Mm. in a different way. I really think that's, that's what makes us look at them. And I, for me, it has been this glow of their countenance. Mm. Um, they could be describing what is really hard, Yes, but they have this glow that Jesus is with me and holding me. It's this assurance that all of it must be for his good. And they never lose sight of God has been eternally good to me. So this is just part of the journey home. Yes. Um, and I, I think that's what's so different. So rather than being focused on the here and now, because right. it's obviously people. I've walked with dear friends who have, one of my dear friends, she, it's, it's, it's interesting. When the book is coming out, it is almost exactly the fifth year anniversary of her death. Wow. Um, from breast cancer and she's in the book she, she is her story is woven into some of the chapters of the book because at our last bible study together mm. we're in acts she wanted to study acts so we said whatever book you want to study this year we'll study and we studied acts and she was just sitting there and she had this moment of i think we we're talking about paul and the blinding light and all of this of how he came to faith and she said and you know i had to get cancer to come to faith because that was part of her journey wow. to know the Lord. And she said, and it's all been, it. mm. you know, and her face glowed as she talked about it. It was just this deep assurance and what God had done for her that filled her with this joy that shone through. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? What is it that God has done for us and to us that enables us to actually experience true joy? Yes, I think we see this. It's really beautiful. Actually, when in the book of Philippians, we actually, as we start in the study, we actually go back to Acts and see 
when Paul first visited Philippi. And what's interesting, it's when he, when he went to Philippi, he um, interacted with a woman there named Lydia. And he interacted with, he got thrown into jail because of a different interaction. He got, Paul got, gets thrown into jail. And this jailer comes to faith. There's a big earthquake. All the prisoners yeah. should have run away. They don't. So the jailer comes to Paul and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Mm. And Paul, you know, he says, repent and believe. And it says the jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe the message. And it's interesting that that happened in Philippi because this whole book of Philippians is so much rooted in joy. And so I love that the book of Acts mentions joy. And yes. To this book. But what, what you really see there is that salvation is, is the what I call the abundant spring of our joy. I believe it's in Isaiah. It says, in that day, you will drink from the wells mm. of salvation. And it's this beautiful picture because it's a well that doesn't go dry. So no matter what is happening in my life, the fact that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died in the most evil event that's ever occurred in the human mm -hmm. history of mankind, was that the son of God was crucified on a cross, rejected by, by his people and all of humanity, killed, um, and then was resurrected and raised again on the third day. So th that he did all of that, he left heaven in perfection and came to this earth to rescue a people who the scriptures tell us we are all enemies <laughs> um, in our hearts mm -hmm. towards God. He came to rescue us so that we can be his children. And so that's amazing. Yes. It's like us going to the jail, finding the most heinous criminal there, and then not just saying you're free, but I'm actually going to let you come and sit at my table and I'm going to take my child and I'm going to put my child in your jail cell and mm. I'm going to let you sit in their spot mm. and eat at my table. That's what our father did for us. Gosh. You know, and so it's this picture of our savior. How can we not be thankful people? Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we were rescued in such a way with such grace at such grand expense. It wasn't free. And that is what on any day I can say to myself, it is well with my soul. Yes. My circumstances may be terrible. Everything really, there is hardship and difficulty yes, yes. and pain. This world does not work as it should should work, but it is always well with my soul because yes. my Savior has rescued me. So that's uh, our hope. Amen and amen. amen. Sometimes for me, it's easy when I'm in my home and we're treasuring the beauty of the gospel together. And then I when I go out into the world and sometimes I rub shoulders with or interact with people who are just walking in real depravity and darkness, it really burdens my heart in a real way where obviously I'm led to share of the spring that you were talking about, like to lead them to the spring, if you will, to where mm -hmm. they can experience joy. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like overcome with sadness um, for what mm -hmm. the world is experiencing. And so when we feel that way, when we feel despairing, what does it look like for us to actually pursue joy and to refresh ourselves with the good news of the gospel in the midst of like the everyday nitty gritty hard stuff that we experience? Yeah, I think when one beautiful thing that we do see in scripture, and I always want to acknowledge this, there's a whole book called Lamentations. Mm. 
Many of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. There is a right place to pour out our sorrows before God. You know, Jesus did that. He didn't, you know, it says in John that he was greatly troubled in spirit before the cross. Yes. It wasn't this, it's all good. Right. I'm going to the cross. I mean, it, yeah. that, he, 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 sweating he drops of blood. Real, exactly. He has real emotions. So I always want to stress, uh, you know, I'm in the South <laughs> yeah. and we can have a kind of, oh, just be yeah. Pollyanna. Totally slap Don't a smile look at on the it. Bad. Yeah. Whereas I think Christian Joy reaches into the darkness mm-hmm. and doesn't say mm-hmm. the darkness isn't bad. It just says I have something better. Mm hmm. And so it can look at the darkness and lament with tears and with weeping and say, this is not how it was supposed to be. And then say, I always say present joy is rooted in a past truth and a future hope. Mm. So present joy is rooted in the past truth that my salvation is secure and a future hope that home is coming. I'm not home right now. I'm on a journey, which is why I love the name of your podcast, actually. Um, Mm. Uh, because when we travel, we don't expect things to be comfortable. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If you're sleeping in an airport, you're kind of like not expecting it to be a nice feather yeah. bed or whatever. No. <laughs> and so sometimes I think our expectations, mm-hmm. our wrong mm-hmm. expectations of the Christian life can really affect our joy. The Christian life in scripture is described as a race a battle and childbirth. Oh, you know, it's like, it's the only when you are expecting the pleasure cruise that when you start getting yeah. the bullets and you find out I'm on a warship, not a pleasure cruise. Totally. It wakens us up. Sometimes our expectations are that it should be difficult. But what I say about all three of those things, a race is hopeful. You're hoping for a victor. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a battle is hopeful. You're hoping to get to peace. That's why we fight. And, you know, childbirth is one of the most hopeful, painful things that ever existed. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's so it, true. It's this hope of life. So there can be hope while also experiencing the reality that it's painful. Yes. So I think they walk hand in hand. And I don't think that paradox, I'm not uncomfortable with that anymore. It took me mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. to get there. Um, I thought I had to either be this, oh, it's all good type person. But that's just, I don't understand. It's just not real. No. Whereas real joy can weep in the midst of being yes. joyful. Yes. And they're not opposed to each other. And so I find that encouraging. <laughs> Absolutely. Like holding those things in tension. And it totally reminds me of what Paul says at the end of his letter, where he's saying, you know, I've learned in whatever situation to be content, whether being brought low and, you know, in every circumstance, facing hunger, facing abundance, facing need, like I can do all things because of Christ who strengthens me and like looking forward to that hope that he has, you know, when God's supplying every need according to its riches in Christ Jesus and, you know, for his glory to God be the glory forever. So I I think scripture speaks to that so beautifully. And yet it's hard for us to like hold those things in tension. Yes. Yes. And I think it is, it really is just somewhere along the way. I think we subtly, even though we would never claim it, we buy into the health wealth gospel. Yeah, totally. That life, if I can get the outer of my life, okay, I will have inner peace. (laughs) Well, that message is being screamed at us, you know, all over the place. Like that's just, that's, uh, that's pervasive, like in even churches that claim to be Christian and that's all over social media all the time, like work hard, do good. And then you will receive kind of like that whole karma mindset. 
and it's just not sufficient. <laughs> no, no. And and I think that really steals our joy when we when we have that expectation of of things coming to us in that manner because yeah, we just have a wrong perspective of what joy actually is. What are some things that you think steal or try to kind of hack away at our joy as believers? Yes, I think for me and what I see really is just a pervasive stealer of joy is comparison. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think comparison normally leads to coveting. It is rampant too, right? Like we have so many yes. opportunities now to compare. Whereas before, mm-hmm. I know, I know it's always been hard throughout history, but we have access to millions of people that we would never even see face to face if we didn't have like <laughs> our cell phones. Exactly. So it used to be, you know, I mean, the commandment, do not covet, was your neighbor. Well, now your neighbor has been expanded all over the country. Yeah. (laughs) So you can see what your college roommate is now doing, even though she lives 2,000 miles away, and you think, oh, her life looks perfect. And you haven't talked to her in 10 years and you have no idea that she and her husband were in a fight this morning yeah. before they posted the picture of them apple picking. And yeah, <laughs> the perfectly curated picture. Yes. Yes. Thinking, Look at their perfect life. And so yeah. I think that um, it's not that comparison hasn't been there since the beginning of right. time, but we now have so much more to compare to. Yeah. And I think it is believing the lie that someone out there has it better can really yeah. rob us of our joy. Yeah. It's just looking. And we talk about this. With, I, was, I was just walking with a friend and we were talking about this with our kids. They can even look at one another mm-hmm. and believe the personality God gave my sibling is mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. than the personality God gave me. So it starts in the family unit. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so training our children that God made you distinctively this way or right. this way. I mean, we obviously see it. You're in the toddler years. I mean, you, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. It, it's you have X that I didn't even care about before you had it. But now that you have that toy, I, I want it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know? And it, you <laughs> see, it doesn't bring happiness and contentment. No, when, it doesn't. It breeds a big fat fit. <laughs> exactly. And even though no one's played with the toy for a month. All of a sudden, it becomes the much-needed item. The object of desire, yes. Yeah, and I think we go on Facebook or we go on Instagram and we think, I I was supposed to be apple-picking, and now my (laughs) life is not complete without it, or whatever it is. And then you get there, and it's hot, and it's nasty, and you don't get that picture that you were hoping for. Yes. I mean, literally, this is actually quite funny. We did go last fall, and we get there and there had been a hailstorm like the month before so all the apples were rotten on the trees and so I was like this is just priceless you know it's just, it's just you can't make why? it up so when we recognize that we've been looking for things like for joy in things that actually can't offer it where do we go from there yeah, I like to say to people, and I don't do this enough, I don't just repent enough um, and say, go to the Lord and say, mm-hmm. I, am, mm-hmm. I am not finding my joy in you. And yes. I am sorry, Lord. I, I am looking to lesser things than who you are and what you've done for me. And then I do think we can repent and believe. And I think that believing starts with, I think it's good to just list out what about the Lord makes me rejoice. 
Paul, when he's writing, I believe it's the beginning of Philippians 3, he says, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice mm-hmm. in the and the object of our joy is the substance of our happiness. You know, we, we like mm. to rejoice in all these things. And we can go to God and say, thank you for my family. Thank you for the fact that we have a meal to eat tonight. Thank you that we have a house. But he is the ultimate substance of our joy. Yep. And so the more we focus on him, I think the more we will be joyful. Yep. One of the Psalms says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things mm-hmm. and give me life in your name. Mm-hmm. And, and what a great prayer. Lord, turn my eyes from worthless things. Give me life in your name. Yeah, let me look to who you are and your, who, what you have done, what you are doing. Let me rejoice there. Even show me how to do that. I do think you know, we, we forget he, we can ask for help. <laughs> yes. And we have the spirit in us who is ready to help us. Yeah. Too often, like, you know, again, to use the toddler analogy, like the toddler who's trying to open the jar by themselves yes. and when they can't do it, yes. throwing a tantrum, but you <laughs> offer to give them help. And then, no, I do it myself, you know, and I can, I'm going to do this joy thing myself and the yeah. Lord will keep letting me fall flat on my face yeah. and remind me I need his grace daily. Oh, amen. Amen. And I totally do. I was just posting yesterday on Instagram about we our most recent episodes on worship, and I was kind of examining the David Powlison x-ray questions, thinking Mm -hmm. about like idols that would inhibit worship of God. Like what else in my life am I worshiping? Like, is there anything in my life that has crept up there trying to make its way onto the throne of my heart? And there was a question that talked about like, what do you delight in most? Like, where do you Mm -hmm. find your delight? And I'm telling you, Melissa, I sat here with these questions and really had to walk in confession to text a couple girlfriends and to repent, just like you're talking about, and then to look my face to the Lord and to believe um, in the gospel and to be refreshed by the gospel and to walk forward with the help of the Spirit because it's a real thing. And it's such a beautiful thing to walk in confession because there's such hope there um, in walking in the light. And that's just, I just want to confess that that's a real red like daily active practice in Mm. any believer's life. And I want to know, how can we as believers sit on the other side of the table receiving that confession or getting that text message? How can we cultivate Mm. an environment that's really encouraging and that really fosters confession in our communities? And how can we encourage one another to find our joy in the Lord? That's a great question. And I think it's such a hard thing. But I think I would hope your friends, you know, would say, I'm going to pray for you on that. Yeah. Because to me, the one of the kindest servant hearted, mm-hmm. most servant hearted things someone can do is say, I will go mm-hmm. to the father on your behalf. Um, and it does start with that confession. I think when it is most difficult is when we see a discontented, disgruntled spirit in a friend yeah. <laughs> and confronting it. Yeah. Because there's a difference between sharing our troubles, which Paul shared. Paul didn't hold back when he wrote letters to, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he's like, well, let me tell you, I've been at danger at sea, danger on land. 
I've been whipped. I've been beaten. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like he's, he's laying it all out there for them. He is not, things are really stunk lately. <laughs> yeah. I really. mean, he's telling them, let me tell you, this has happened to me. So in the telling is not yeah. complaining, but if that makes sense, but we all can recognize just like we can recognize the joy in the mm-hmm. suffering with that glow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can also recognize the spirit of discontentment, which yeah. was in the Israelites. It's the reason they could not go to the promised land because they were grumbling and complaining. And yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Oh my goodness. Cause you see that in yourself. You're like, Oh shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, it's not just a little sin. It's actually a heart of rebellion yeah. against the Lord. And it's, mm. it's, it's really rooted in pride. It's yeah. saying yeah. to the God of the universe, I know how to run things better than you and you are not running my life very well. Right. And so that to me, it, it still has to be done tenderly mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with an acknowledgement that we all struggle in this area of saying yes. to a dear friend, I, I feel like the problem is your heart and not yeah. your circumstances. Yeah. And that's that's tough work. It's yeah. yeah, it's work that can only come with a lot of prayer and and a lot of love because it's truthfully easier for us to just all sit around and turn our lives into a complaint fest. Yeah, and that's easy. It's hard to walk side by side it with is. a friend. It's- Let's fight for something more. Yeah, it's a real vulnerable place to be. But I think the uh, uh-huh. the flip side of that is when you're in a relationship where it, it, it's a little bit awkward because you may have to be the initiator and go out on a limb and <laughs> kind of be the first one to share in confession. But when that person finds a safe place in you, and then in turn, they also feel the opportunity and even the conviction of confessing. Like I just had an opportunity the other day on Voxer of all things, where I <laughs> confessed after having sent a vox to a a friend of mine and then I I felt convicted by the spirit and I I voxed her and I said hey when I said that like you know this and she was like man that convicts me because I was right along with you thinking yeah yeah (laughs) like Mm -hmm. but then but then my confession kind of broke her heart and over her own sin too and we were able to fellowship in the gospel together and stand under the foot of Christ together as recipients of his grace and thereby our fellowship was enriched and enhanced and we got to rejoice in what Christ has done for us and so I think when we foster that going out on a limb it might be a little bit awkward but it opens up the space for someone else to do that too. And then your relationship goes deeper because Lord knows, Melissa, I have been sitting around the Chick-fil-A table where everybody is complaining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's like, mommy, uh-huh. that's a lot of mommy culture. Like, let's just talk about how desperate we all are and how much this is difficult and how bad this sucks. And, you know, and, and to be the first one to really speak hope into that situation, sometimes it can be a little obnoxious and a little annoying mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it can also change the culture and and really enrich the fellowship around the table and and it can become something that they're all really longing for even if they don't know it exactly and I think we often turn to false modes of intimacy with each other we think just sharing our problems or sometimes I even think I mean, I, I look at gossip and you think it's a shared intimacy right. with someone else because, you know, we've now shared this morsel together, but it just, it goes sour. Totally. And, you know, you leave those conversations that feel like, I call them one-up conversations. Oh, your kid threw up twice last night. Mine threw up four times. <laughs> and let me tell you how bad my life is. Yeah. You just kind of leave 
feeling yucky. Honestly, about I feel life. super drained because I'm like, oh, yeah. we just we didn't. There was nothing hopeful in that conversation, and so I want to ask myself the question: like, where am I? Number one, walking in humility and acknowledging my need for Christ, and then also number two, <laughs> like bringing the message of salvation and the gospel. Again, we say this all the time: it's for both saint and sinner. So whether my Ooh. friends that are sitting around the table are believers or not, like finding a way to creatively introduce them to the hope that you have in Jesus. And it's a real art and it it doesn't always happen like (laughs) in the same conversation, but to always kind of be coming to the conversation with that hope and that aim, I think is really God glorifying. And ultimately, I think that's what it looks like to really walk in evangelism with people um, and, and to also just walk in community with each other, you know? That's right. That's right. And it's discipleship. Yes, 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 yes. So how can we create that culture? Like, how can we go about actually creating a culture in our home, in our churches, in our friendships, in our workplace, um, where we might be able to experience joy in those places? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I Because I do think it is one thing that you even said, it's a desire to cultivate it. Mm-hmm. I think so often we just go through our lives just living. Yeah, we don't Mm -hmm. even think through. Passively? Yeah. 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 We just think, oh, I'm going to, of course, complain about the weather today because it's been raining for four days and I'm going to complain about the traffic on the way to work and I'm going to, you know, whereas I should remember where this is, where it says, take every thought captive. Our captives, our our thoughts are actually, you know, coming against us a Mm -hmm. lot of times, just wanting to fuel discontentment Mm -hmm. and disgruntledness. And so I think the fight for joy begins in our mind. Will I think about what is lovely, what is praiseworthy, what is true, what is right? And then from my mind and from my heart, the mouth will speak. Totally. Um, And so what, what am I saying to myself as I go through the day? What am I thinking of? Because then that's going to be what I'm most excited to talk about. Absolutely when I'm around people. And I think when we offer one another something better, we're actually really attracted to it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. We, we just haven't taken the time, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of cultivate the mind of joy. So therefore, what comes out isn't, yeah. isn't necessarily that. But I will say this too. I really do think with other women in particular, the more I've done ministry with them, what our conversation is centered on is... Oh, we need to prepare Bible study. Let's talk about it. Well, then we're talking about God. Yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes it's just doing something better than what we might be tempted to do. But kingdom building always has so much interesting work to talk about. Totally. So So much camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, hey, what could we do to share the gospel with our neighbors? I know that can sound so like, are we really going to talk about this at Chick-fil-A? Right. I, and so how do we, how do we enter into that yeah. creatively or, Hey, I heard this great story. I was listening to this podcast yeah. Yeah. and this person was talking about X, Y, or Z. Totally. What could we do to do something like that? Maybe, oh, you know, yeah. 
yeah, a shared mission, I think, um, towards a right end can bring and cultivate a lot of joy too. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, really with the Journey Women podcast, our hope is that things would never end here, that people wouldn't just listen to our conversation about joy, Melissa, and, and just digest it for themselves, but that it would be a springboard for conversation in the context of real life relationships. And that's what I hear from so many women like, oh, we listen to your podcast and then we talk about it on a walk or something like that. So we hope that as we're talking about it, it would spur more thoughts in you. And even then, we know we haven't exhausted the topic fully. So by all means, go exhaust the topic, disagree (laughs) with us, search the scriptures, like find out what it is for yourself. So I love that you mentioned that. And we can do that with books. We can do that with sermons. We can do that with anything. And, And I think you were talking about, it reminded me of the quote from Karen's book that said, we become what we behold. And so just really to behold Christ, to behold the gospel, like I find myself growing in my experience of joy, the more I just gaze at the beauty of salvation, as you said. So thank you so much for encouraging us to do that today. Even in this conversation, Melissa, I am challenged and I'm exhorted and I'm just really, really stoked about even diving into this letter again. I love the book of Philippians. So is there anything else that you'd recommend for somebody who just wants to expand their joy? I will never say it enough. The thing I always say is the, the, the creator of joy being in his presence, the Psalms say at your, in your presence is fullness of joy. And so spending time in the word and in prayer daily, and I know people are in busy seasons. Life is always busy, Totally, but that to me will fuel joy like nothing yes. else. And and that doesn't happen every day. I think we get in this consumer mindset that, oh, well, I tried the I tried reading my Bible today and praying yeah. and I don't feel that joyful today. Right. It's kind of like saying, I went for a jog this morning and I don't know why I haven't lost twenty pounds and <laughs> look like the model. You yeah, know, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, it takes a, a lifetime does. to yeah. to build good health. And I would say it takes it takes daily practices yes. to build our joy in a similar way. So if we're eating what's good and healthy, you know, that's going to make our bodies work well. Yes. And if we're eating what's good and healthy, it makes our souls work well as well. I think this is the one area that comparison can really serve us well. Like when I listen to you, Melissa, I do not say this in a way where I'm seeking to elevate you because I know we are like both followers of Christ, both leveled at the foot of the cross. But when I listen to you, when I listen to some of the other guests we found on the show, like Edith Moyana, who just spoke straight scripture the entire podcast, I think, man, I want to be like that. And then I know, and honestly, when I looked at my grandmother, who's 80, over 80, and uh, her husband just passed away, my grandfather, Grand Jerry, and what does she say? She starts spouting off the end of Habakkuk, where she's talking about, though the fig tree does not blossom, though there's no cattle in the field, yet I will rejoice in the Lord in the hardest moment of her entire life. And I thought to myself in that moment, that is what I want to be. And what am I doing today to build that practice of godliness? Am I doing something to like to lay down investments to that end? And if not, then I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. And it's not that every single day I walk away from reading the text because this morning I read Proverbs. I don't understand it all the time. <laughs> it, it ain't always organic and it doesn't always produce the fruit that I'm hoping for necessarily. But ultimately, it does produce the fruit of righteousness and his word will not return void. So that is the only time that I think comparison can serve us 
as well. And I really appreciate you just letting us experience you in this capacity today. But I hope that that's what women walk away encouraged to do is to learn kind of by your example and to follow you as you follow Jesus. And I know you would say to only do it to that end. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And one encouragement I will give on that Jen Wilkins book, Women of the Word. I love that. She starts with the Chinese proverb and it says, how do you move a mountain? Mm. And answer is one spoonful at a time. And I mm. love that vision of Bible reading. Yes. It's one spoonful. Yes. It's, 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 you do not, yeah. Like you don't have to go get a theological degree tomorrow to have joy. Um, <laughs> it's one spoonful yes. and that is manageable in our lives as yes. women. Yeah. That's why I always want to encourage people. Don't feel like you have to yes. spend two hours in the text. That's great if you can. Exactly. But 20 minutes every day over yes. a lifetime. Yep. You will be constantly knowing Jesus. And that's all it is. Yes. Yes. And I believe it's kind of like, again, I always relate back to eating. You start tasting and you really think, huh, this tastes better than I thought. And then you just keep eating. Totally. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's why I think the psalmist says, taste and see that he's good. Yeah. But it takes many tastes, you know, as we stick our food before our children and they spit it out over and over. It takes many tastes for us to develop. To acquire the taste. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, there has never been a more relevant time in which to ask this question, Melissa, that I ask every (laughs) single guest who comes on the show. I would love to hear from you. What are your three simple joys? Okay. And I'm going to give you like the total (laughs) just... Well, I'll give one spiritual one, and then I'll give you the fun You'll give me the earthly voice. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my my new, and this is a little bit earthly. We we actually just put a screened-in porch on the back of our house. Oh, yes. So being able in the yes. morning to sit with my tea, and oh. so the tea can be the, the earthly joy. The tea with a little bit of sugar and a little bit of milk, mm, the British way, mm. um, and my Bible, and spend time reading and in prayer. That, that really is my best joy <laughs> right now. That sounds amazing. Place matters. And so I feel so thankful that we have this little porch in the back now. Yes. Another, I'll give you my earthly joy, is really pizza. I mean, oh. I, I could eat pizza every meal yes. of every day. Yes. That's so bad. I am dairy intolerant. <laughs> and I'll tell you that one of my times with Brooks, we only dated for four and a half months before we got engaged. <laughs> Confession. And it's probably because one of the dates that he did for me is I am dairy free and gluten free. And he helped me make a dairy free, gluten free pizza. We went and got like the nasty, like, che- and it was, it was delicious. It was amazing. I woke up the next morning after that date and I ate pizza for breakfast. So I totally resonate with that, though it is a much more difficult endeavor for me to get to the point of actually eating pizza. <laughs> yes, that, he's a good man. That yep, was good yep. marriage. Four and a half months right later, there. I was like, that's it. We're good. <laughs> that's really good. That's, that's yeah, really do you good. have one last simple joy? I love any busy mom can feel this, that, that moment when I get away with a good book. So just a good fiction read. Do you have one that you're reading now? I don't have a good fiction when I'm reading. I'm actually reading a fascinating book. It's called um, Secondhand Time. And it's, it might not be as interesting to other people as it is to me, but it's, it's interviews and reflections with Russians in post-Soviet Russia. Wow. Looking back on, they're, they're really looking at, at, communism really favorably and so it's fascinating because we all think oh i bet they're so much happier now yeah Um, and 
It's been fascinating to read their current reflections on what happened in the Gorbachev era. And they really miss, in some ways, being a Soviet empire. And I'm fascinated by it. I, it's really an interesting read. Yeah. Let's talk about that at Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah, seriously. Yeah, hey, use that as a springboard. Most people don't want to talk about this, but <laughs> um, it's been fascinating to read. Have you done the Wing Feather Saga yet since you like fiction? Is this Andrew Peterson? Yes, yes. Yes. I read them a few years ago. I can't, because I was yeah, reading them as they were with coming out. With, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I love those I'm as reading well. those now. So that's my fiction read. <laughs> That's a good one. I, yeah. They're really good. I really should reread those because it's been it's been a while now since I started them. I don't know if you know Caroline Cobb. She's been on the podcast. She has an excellent album that I'm going to have to text you immediately if you haven't heard of it. Do you know her? No, I'd love to. I love For yeah, sure. Her music is amazing. She sings about the meta narrative of scripture. I'm so stoked. She toured with Gloria Furman. I don't know. Um, she toured with Gloria. Oh, she did her last book. I know Gloria. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm going to text it to you. It's oh, going to make your I can't day. Wait. That, <laughs> that right. will make my day, actually. This will be my th- fourth joy. Will be this album. <laughs> Lots of simple joys for you today, guys. And, you know, the last question that I love to hear is, you know, we talked about this concept of the journey and how God intersects our lives with these different guideposts that he uses by his grace to encourage us in godliness. And I would just love to hear, Melissa, who is it that's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus? That's a great question. I mean, we can all point to different people at different times, but I have to say over the walk of my life, I've been, my husband and I, it'll be 21 years of marriage and we dated for five years before that. It has to be him. We met when I was a freshman in college. He was a senior at the time. And so we have walked through life together and theology together in such a way, you know, it's made me sometimes a bit lazy. I mean, my husband um, is a professor (laughs) of New Testament. And he, uh, he is my ready commentary. You know, so even when I was studying the book of Philippians, I'd be like, so tell me again what you're talking about, the Greco-Roman term for gospel. And I, yeah, I can just steal it from him. That is awesome. <laughs> you have your own like walking commentary. Yes. He's like better than the Alexa <laughs> app. I just am like, rather than ask Alexa, I'm like, ask Mike. Yo, Mike, what did Paul mean when he used the term anxiety in Philippians? What's the Greek word? Tell me. And then he That's gives it phenomenal. to me. So it's so wonderful. I mean, I can't express, talk about a joy, mm. the joy of getting to do ministry with your partner in life. I can't imagine ever being bored in a conversation with him. And I'm so thankful for it because the root of what we both want to talk about is an eternal God yeah. who is great. Yeah. So we always have that's something so to talk about. Um, it's so much more than a marriage that's based on children. You know, if I could say yeah. anything, base your marriage on the Lord. But he has just been hugely impactful. Just having someone to talk through all those things with and share life together, obviously, in the midst of it. So you see the theology, not just in theory, but the theology applied. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Melissa, I am so, so grateful for y'all and for your ministry, for the way you pour your life out for the sake of the church. I think I can say on behalf of all the Journey Women, it has been an absolute joy to hear from you today. Thank you for joining me on the show. It's been great to be here. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that a blessing? 
I'm starting Melissa's study in all things later this week. So be sure to hop over to the show notes for today's episode at journeywomenpodcast.com so that you can pick up a copy and do it with me from afar. Hey, if you enjoyed our conversation today, I would be so thankful if you leave a rating interview on iTunes. This is one of my favorites recently left by somebody named Al Stroud. As a woman who left her faith behind for a good chunk of her life, who is now returning, this podcast has been such a blessing. Praise the Lord. He is drawing you to himself, Al Stroud. My prayer is that the Lord would use Journey Women to encourage us all to love him more. It is a joy to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.